0: Turn up your body. your body.
1: Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. The eye test with Pierre McGuire and Jimmy Murphy. The Stanley Cup winning Colorado Avalanche. And after 22 years, Raven Mark!
0: The sickest NHL podcast. It's gonna be sick. And welcome to another edition of EI Test here on the SICK Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy, and my co-host, Pierre Maguire, right there. And we've got another great on-campus Friday in store. But, Pierre, uh, you are you are at the one of the rivals of, of the coach we're about to bring on because uh, we will be talking to Quinnipiac Bobcats coach and defending national champion coach, uh, Rand Pecknold, and you are where, my friend?
1: I'm at Colgate University right now, but I'm actually – was before I came on with you watching the Colgate women against the Brown women, and uh, it's one nothing. Colgate. Colgate is the favorite going into this two out of three series. Uh, Colgate just scored again; it's two nothing now. Um, but it's been a phenomenal game. The goaltender for Dart or for Brown has been phenomenal, uh, keeping it close. And I can tell you, the star for the Brown team, besides the goalie, has been Jerome Ginla's daughter, Jade. She's been outstanding. Oh, really, great. really good.
0: Yep. Yeah, he's. Uh- did his his uh son went to Dexter Academy in he did, New York? Yeah, yes. Yeah, they really they loved when they was he was here in Boston, he stuck around after. I remember seeing him in the ranks and stuff. So uh that's great. Good stuff. But yeah, really excited to talk to Rand Pecknell here. And I mean, this guy maybe doesn't just you know, obviously it they're a smaller college, um, and maybe just never gets the recognition I think he has this year after winning the national championship. But this is his 29th season coaching at Quinnipiac, Pierre. And he's seen the program basically go from, you know, a, a nobody program into a national powerhouse. It's pretty amazing what he's done, but also that he's stuck with it. Because I'm sure as he's had success, and we can talk to him about it, but I'm sure as he's had success, Pierre, you know how it is. People come knocking. They want you to switch over to another school. But he's he's stuck to his guns and stayed there.
1: Well, he's got something special going. And he, he built it. He, He's the father of the program, really. Yeah. Um, and you get a laundry list of kids that want to eventually go play there. Mm-hmm. Um, I know players that have gone there for fifth years, and they just rave about the commitment of the coaching staff, the commitment of the school, the commitment of their teammates. And there's no big secret when you're an elite player and you want to go to a program that's good, Jimmy, you mm-hmm. want to go to a program that's committed. Yes. And if the players are committed and the coach is committed and the school's committed, As a good player, you're going to be committed. And so I think that's one of the things Rand's really been able to build into the program. Um, And I have total respect for what he's done there. They've done a magnificent, magnificent job there.
0: They have, too. And, you know, Pierre, one thing I'm committed to, uh, especially around this time of year, it's it's the Irish season now. We're officially in March. And reminder, before I get to this, reminder, two weeks from yesterday, Pierre, we will uh-huh. be at Hurley's Irish Pub, 1225 Crescent Street in downtown Montreal, lower Crescent that is, right near the Bell Centre prior to the Bruins-Canadians game. Uh, really looking forward to that. And we have an announcement to make too, Pierre, that uh, one of our colleagues will be joining us for that live remote that we're doing at Hurley's. And who's that?
1: Tony Marinaro. I worked with Tony last night on his uh, outstanding podcast. It uh, is just a hit show in Montreal and probably – for all Montreal Canadiens fans. And uh, so yeah, Tony will be joining us. I asked him, I invited him last night and he said, absolutely. I'll be joining you guys.
0: All right. I'm psyched to see Tony there. And of course Tony has done such a great job. Another guy too, Pierre, that really manufactured his persona in his city. He did a great job building up as a radio personality. And now his podcast is one of the best in the country, I think, and definitely the best Montreal Canadiens one out there. So Really looking forward to bringing him in there and we can talk some Bruins Canadians. We'll talk NHL. We'll still take our questions from our comment section, but hopefully to all you folks. And I know we got a lot of them living in Montreal or in the area. Come on over, throw back a pint of Guinness or one too many and have a good time with us before the Bruins Canadians game and celebrate the beginning of what is always a great weekend in Montreal. And that's St. Patrick's Day parade weekend. And, Pierre, I, I think, you know, a lot of people down here where I'm from and I'm, I'm sure just around, you know, the states and stuff don't understand like what a job that city does. You've been there. It's a big deal. Like people think St. Patrick's Day parades. They think New York City. They think Boston, Chicago, you know, but you never hear Montreal. And I'm telling you, I had the pleasure of being there probably seven times now for that weekend. It's amazing. There's live Irish music everywhere. It's festive. It's sort of got like a Mardi Gras feel to it. it does. I've been to some cold, cold parades, like really cold. Uh, and I've been to some beautiful ones too. I mean, I remember one time I was walking around in shorts and a t-shirt on like March 14th, uh, a couple of years back. So hopefully the weather is nice for us. Maybe maybe we'll even be able to go out in the Taras and uh, talk some hockey there. Here. but I'm, <laughs> That would be I'm good. Looking I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be great. But you know one thing, you know, that I'm going to do, Pierre, you know, since it is a St. Paddy's Day season and I want to look good and, and feel good. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think we got to introduce our new sponsor here.
1: Yes, uh, I'm going to leave that to you.
0: Yeah, I will do that. So, you know, in the spirit of St. Patrick's Day, from our sponsor, Manscaped, top of the morning to you. This episode is brought to you by St. Patrick's Day Shamrock Shavers, Manscaped. This year, don't just chase rainbows, make your own pot of gold and groom your little leprechaun with the leaders in below the kilt care. We'll see if I can make it through this without laughing. Say goodbye to your clover forest with Manscaped Lawnmower 5.0 and let your confidence shine bright. Embrace the lucky Irish and join 10 million men world, worldwide who trust Manscaped. Head over to manscaped.com right now and use the code ITEST for 20% off plus free shipping. And welcome aboard Manscaped to our... Wonderful podcast. We're glad to have you. And you'll hear a lot more about Manscaped as we go on here. But welcome aboard to them. And, of course, Pierre, they join another sponsor that we have. And I actually just brought up some meals. We're going to have them for dinner tonight, my girlfriend and I, here in good. Portsmouth, New Hampshire. I brought them up with their little freezer box that they gave us. That was great, by the way. Fat really, is
1: nice. really good. Just Yeah.
0: yeah. So I uh, want to remind everybody out there, Factors Delicious Ready-to-Eat Meals Make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with the prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie-smart, vegan, plus veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition packs add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week. And remember, use the code... I test dash 50 and you'll get 50% off. Go over to Factor right now and thank us later. All right, Pierre. Um, as we said, we've got our we've got Rand Peckmo will be joining us shortly, but let's just talk a little hockey here. We are officially one week away uh, from the, the trade deadline. Actually, we want to be technical and look at the clock. We're just under. We're one hour under a week away because uh, it is at 3 p.m. on March 8th, a week from today. Uh Pierre, just your thoughts, uh, you know, rumors are flying. You and I were just talking before we came on the air and in our job, we have to be careful because, you know, teams, GMs, scouts, whoever, you know, our sources sometimes, and that's fine because we, they rub our backs. We rub theirs. It's fine, but they do have agendas. They do want to put certain things out there or don't want certain things out there. So our job right now, and that's what we're going to do between now and the deadline uh, for our listeners and viewers is to sift through everything and kind of, you know, make sense of some of the things that you're kind of like, really? Like, I don't know about that. So just, you know, from your experience, Pierre, you've dealt with so many of these, you've worked the trade deadline shows live on Sportsnet. You've done them on TSN. Uh, just give the viewers an inside look of what it's like, uh, for somebody that's a reporter, somebody that's connected in the business leading into this deadline.
1: Well, a lot of times you're getting misinformation. People are trying to create marketplace for different players. Uh, so somebody in an organization may be told, leak uh, player's name uh, or leak player B's name. Um, and we're going to try to get some traction in that market or this market. You know, it was interesting. I remember we'd always, whether it was in Pittsburgh, Hartford, Ottawa, it didn't matter where I was coaching, every time we seemingly went to Ottawa or uh, Toronto, <laughs> It was always one of our players being traded to Toronto, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so you'd always have to put the, the, you know, the fire out. And so, you know, you just got to be real careful um, about the information that's passed out. Um, mm-hmm. And wh- this is really important. I prefer to talk about trades that actually happen. So yes. Labushin goes to Toronto, you know. And so why did he go to Toronto? Well, number one, Toronto needs a shutdown guy. Number two, Tanev is now in Dallas. Number three, uh, they've had Labushkin before. Really they scary. know him. So yeah. they, they, they're comfortable with him. They know he's not going to be overmatched in their situation. They can digest the money on the cap. So that's why I'd prefer to do it that way. People say, well, why'd he go there? why did he go there? I think that's probably the best thing. Dealing in rumors and innuendos. We've yeah. not done it on this show, and I don't think we should start doing yeah. it.
0: Yeah, and I'm with you, Pierre. And and you know, and just in terms of fans though, out there trying to figure it out, it's always good connect dots. You know, like think about things like Pierre just said. That's a key thing he said there in that trade that helped it is the familiarity that they had uh, with the defenseman that they acquired last night, and that's the Toronto Maple Leafs. But we'll get back to some trade deadline stuff later on. Because right now we're going to welcome in the head coach of the Quinnipiac Bobcats and the defending national champions, Rand Pecknell. join us here on the iTest on on campus Friday. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing great. Hi, guys. Thanks for having Hi. me on. Good Rand, to- great to yeah.
1: visit with you. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Good to see you. So, uh, ready for the weekend? Final regular season week uh, set of games here this weekend.
2: Yeah, we got uh, we got Clarkson tonight. So, uh, you know, in a, well, actually in a couple hours here and then St. Lawrence tomorrow. So we're looking forward to it. And it's been a good year so far, but we got we still got some uh, some work in front of us.
0: What just you You know, I'll Pierre going to say just quickly on that. You got two games here you're in the final week in the regular season. You kind of know where you're setting up to be in the playoffs. What's it like for a coach? Uh, to keep them focused on the task at hand and not look ahead? Because I know it's just human nature that the players are going to be so excited and eager to get the playoffs going.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, obviously, we, you know, it was great. We, we clinched uh, the regular season championship uh, last last week, which was early. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always nice to do. But believe me, I don't want to go down to the wire. I've done that before, too. Uh, it was our fourth in four years and eight and 12. So we, we've been on a good run. But you know these games, they still mean something. They mean a lot in the national picture for the Parawise. So um, you know we're seven in that, and we wanna we wanna try to climb if you can. Like you get, you wanna get home ice, you wanna get better matchups. Like last year we were two in the Parawise, and I thought we got some pretty good matchups. Obviously had to go through Michigan, Minnesota, and, and the Frozen Four. But um, you know these games are huge from a, from a national perspective for the NCAA tournament. So we've got two things ahead of us. We've got the ECAC tournament. We know. We're going to be the one seed, but we don't know what's going to happen in the NCA. So we got to stay focused. And uh, you know, Clarkson's a really good team. Casey does a good job with that group, so we'll have to be ready tonight.
1: Ran. One of the things that's really apparent with your group is the organizational standards that you've helped create there. Can you describe the standards that you force your players to live with?
2: Yeah, I mean, well, I can't in a in a short time. You know, I get been asked that a <laughs> bunch of times. I've been I've gone in and met with NHL teams to talk about how how do you get your culture, and it's like it's not. It's not a one-word answer it's not a you know it's not a it's not a one-minute answer there's so many things that go into our culture and our details uh, i think the big thing that we do is we recruit high character or elite character kids on the way in and uh look we're not perfect we make a mistake once in a while but most of our kids are just a plus plus and the buy-ins there right it's all about buying like pierre you know you coach like you gotta these guys like you'd be the best coach in the world And if your players don't buy in mm-hmm. you're, you're in trouble um so when you have those elite character kids high character kids they buy in and you know, we do a lot of little things really well. We do a lot of, um, you know, whether it's, it's face-offs or PK or power play, any of the controllables, we're, we're really good at, and we, and we need to be good at if we're going to beat uh, beat the big boys in hockey.
1: So the big question I have for you, most of the older guys that you bring in, and you guys have really massaged the portal unbelievably well. You deserve a lot of credit for that. Thank Not you. an easy way to recruit. How have you managed to do that? Because obviously the portal, especially with the older players, is going to end after this coming season. You have been so good at it. Have you yeah. done Yeah. I mean, I think I think the first thing is that we did
2: well as a staff, you know, Joe uh, Joe Dume and Mike Corbett and I, is we, we really embraced the portal. Like, you know, everybody's like complaining about it when it was coming and the fifth year COVID rule and everybody's complaining and complaining. And I said, you know what? We're not going to complain. We're going to figure out a way to take advantage of it and attack it and and use it to our advantage and we've done that. We've we've killed it with uh with with some really good transfers the last couple of years. Uh, obviously the covid the 50 year covid rule um has helped or hurt different years. Whatever last year was phenomenal. We got all those just the timing hit to have Metsa and those guys stay. Um but I think it's it's no different than than recruiting incoming freshmen. You know, mm-hmm. you got to understand what you you know what are your needs, what are your wants? What type of player does well here? What type of player does not do well here? I think uh, you know, it's not just going out and finding the most talented kid. You got to mm-hmm. find that the right fit, you know, for us, it's all about high character and high hockey IQ.
0: We want as much talent as we can get, but we've got to have those two things uh, first and foremost. You guys were just talking about standards there and the standards you have in your program. These kids are coming in from different environments, different teams that have different standards. What is it like when they get there? How do you help them adapt mm-hmm. to, to that?
2: Yeah. You know, it's been, it's been really interesting. It's one thing when you bring these freshmen in and they're, they're coming from junior hockey and so right. everything's like, wow but it has been different uh, grabbing kids from, from, you know, from a North Dakota, from a, uh, from a Cornell or Ohio state, or, you know, there's some, you know, some pretty good programs we've gotten kids from certainly right away. We're trying to pick and choose like, what did you do? Well, what didn't you like, you know, different (laughs) things there. Um, But in the end, it's about, it's about, again, it's about getting them to buy in. This is our culture. The one thing about the transfers that has has been really eye opening for me. And and, and now I kind of understand it as we're in year three of it is the, the, the kids that come to us, they really want to be here, like, really want to be here. They understand what we're good at. They've played against us, you know, like, um, you know, whether it was, you know, Travis played against Ohio State in the play or mm-hmm. North Dakota we played last year, stuff like that. So they understand what we're really what we have to offer. I think when you're a freshman or an incoming freshman looking to go somewhere and where to commit, you might not fully understand what you want and what you want out of your college experience. I think when you've once you've played college hockey, you, you get a better feel for it. So we know coming in, these kids are all in. They know what we do. They know how hard we work in the summers. They know how good our strength coaches, Brajesh Patel. They want access to that, um, and it's just been it's been such a positive experience so far.
1: You talk about your players buying in. When were you all in as a coach? Because I watched you play at Lawrence Academy. I know you went to Connecticut College. When do you decide, Rand? This I'm all in. I want to be a coach uh listen I
2: became a hockey coach by chance I really did I was going to go to law school I had no I'd never crossed my mind to to coach Uh, my dad had coached at MIT like the club team you know and whatever but and I remember being the stick boy there but it never really you know interested me and then uh it just randomly happened where the assistant at Connecticut College left Uh, I was supposed to be there for it was a two-year deal to get your out your master's and he just left and my coach Doug Roberts called me out of the blue and said hey I think you'd be good at this and I was kind of like um OK, I'll give it a try. And honestly, I just went to take the job for a year and I was going to study for the LSATs. And then I was there for about three days and I'm like, oh, my God, I love this. And this is, you know, I never went to law school, obviously. So it's, yeah. it's funny how life works and you just go in different directions. And, you know, it obviously has worked out well for me. When That's, you got yeah. when you
0: start up the program there and at Quinnipiac, I know it's a long time ago now, 29th season you're in. But if you think back to some of the goals you set there at that point in your career, and did you ever imagine getting to where you are saying we're national champions?
2: Yeah, it's all relative to when I'm going to ask. Like if you ask me and this is your third year one, I was just trying to survive. We're practicing at midnight. Mm-hmm. I don't have enough. I didn't even have enough players to cut the first year. I'm like, I want I mean, yeah. We got to recruit. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I didn't have enough skaters. I had a million goalies, but I didn't have skaters. So, you know, no, my early years, no, it was just like survive. Um, you know, I made, I think I made 6,700 bucks my first year. Like I had a teaching job. It was cra- I lived 70 miles. It was just chaos. So I was in survival mode for a long time. Uh, but if you go back to, you know, 12, 15 years ago, like we, we made the frozen four in 2013, I'm like, no, we can do this. It's hard. It's really hard to get to the frozen. It's really hard. Not only to get there is to win that first game and then win that second game to win it all. Uh, but no, I think it's, I think it's realistic. I mean, I think we're, we're top 10 almost every year or top five, almost every year. Like we're rolling right now. And like we got cleaned out last year. I lost half my team and we reloaded again and, you know, we're back in the top 10 again. So I think it's, it's realistic that we're in the hunt. It is really difficult to do. I'm well aware of that. Um, and certainly we had to, you know, we had to beat some pretty good teams last year to do it.
1: Can you talk about the energy that you're building brought to your program? Because obviously you talk about the midnight practices and everything else. Yeah. You didn't have that elite building that you have right now.
2: No, no. And that's, you know, our, our former president, John Leahy and Jack McDonald was our, our former AD. Like they had the vision and I, and I listen, I give them credit. We opened this in January of 07. Like, one of the reasons we didn't open it in 04 05 was we, we, we had to fundraise a little bit more. And John Leahy and Jack would always be like, look, we, we, we're going to do this right. We're going to do it right. We're not just going to yeah. throw up a rink and have one. Like, we're going to do that. We're going to have a big time facility, which we do have. And I give them a lot of credit for that. But we don't, you know, without the rink, we're not, I, I'm not on your podcast right now. You guys, I'm not, you guys don't have me here. I'm not a national no. champion, what have you. But we needed, you're, you're right, Pierre, we needed that rink. Um, and we also needed the support from Quinnipiac. Like they give us the resources that we need and the budget that we need to, to compete nationally with the, you know, with all the big teams.
1: Do you remember the first time you went out West and you said, hi, I'm Rand Pecknell and I'm representing Quinnipiac and the kids in Vancouver would go, what, where, who?
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. With the early years, it was crazy. Um, and some of the, like my first couple times, like we needed, we just needed players. Nobody, you know, we were going to visual, Nobody even heard of the school, I remember being uh, – I'm into so many stories, but I remember being – at this popped in my head in Sioux City, and Dave Haxel was the coach there. Um, and I remember after the game, I was like, wow, that guy's a good coach. Obviously, he's in the NHL now. Well, I was like, wow, he's got a well-coached team. But I went down, and after the game, I'm like, uh, you know, we're, we're just going D1. We hadn't even gone yet. We were going to go the next year. He's like, well, who do you want to talk to? I'm like, well, who's not committed? <laughs> and I think, brought, <laughs> I think he brought nine players into a room to talk to me, and all of them are looking at me going, I go, hey, we need guys. We need – so this is a brand new division like we're playing d3 but i need guys and um and i did get terry harris off that team Yeah, and we had a great um nice. great start with some some really good uh chris sorella and some other good ushl kids got us rolling but uh i do remember like i had to do a bunch of that and people like quinnahoo yeah, um yeah. so it's been a, it's been a long grind and uh you know so we still have some people who are like how do you spell that and what have you but uh, but certainly it's getting easier as we go yeah for sure
0: how, in terms of you know we look around you mentioned like the ohio states and big schools like that north dakotas what have you um, do you, do you have a sense of pride being from a smaller school, doing what you've done with your program and maybe indirectly helping other smaller schools do the same thing and start to make a name for themselves in the division one, you know, landscape? Yeah. I mean, honestly,
2: like, I don't, I don't really work. I don't really think that much about things like that. Um, to me, I, I just, you know, we, we have a great program here. We have a great university. We get all the support we need and and, and we win, which is awesome. Um, but to me, I just focus on what's in front of me. What what can I control? I can't control what North Dakota does. I can't control the House dates or or the smaller schools. It's great if I've helped other places, but I don't worry about that. I just focus on what's in front of us right now and how can we how can I beat Clarkson tonight? How can I get ready for St. Lawrence? Get ready for the playoffs. And certainly you do have to have a little more long-term thinking when you think about recruiting, right? You gotta be like, okay, I'm gonna get cleaned out again. I've got nhl gms and assistant gms and every game we play at we've got some of the best free agents in the country and they're here you know i I know i'm gonna lose kids uh i got lucky (laughs) to have some guys
1: turn down offers last year to come back um but i just focus on the
2: controllables
1: i think that's something that we do well here you talked about your players having nhl opportunities what about you is the nhl in your future um you know i get asked that a lot like i mean believe me i would
2: love it i've done you know, I've done like I did. I remember the first time I did USA Hockey was in 2017. I did the Worlds. So, you know, Jeff Blashill brought me in as uh, to run the power play and coach on that team. And Capuano was there too. And um, uh, who else was on that staff? Seth Appert, N- niter was on the staff. And
1: I was like, oh my god, I got
2: Johnny Gaudreau and Jack Eichel and Anders. Lee. I was like in heaven. I was I way overprepared. My wife was like, what are you doing? Like, do you really need to watch this much video? So I would love it. But I also am realistic. Like, I, I have this great job here. I have a great situation where I am. The grass is not always greener. Um, so, you know, right now I'm in, I'm in a really good spot. Um, I, I don't think uh, the NHL, as you know, Pierre, comes and grabs a lot of co- – it doesn't happen a lot, right? It's There's not many yeah, – like, ha- it happened for Hack, David Quinn, but it's not – I mean, there's some really good coaches in college hockey right now too, but mm-hmm. it's not It's not that same transition uh, that you see in the NBA and the NFL of, of grabbing coaches and going right in. Uh, and they, I think it will happen. Because there are some elite coaches in our game right now, um, so we'll see how it all works out.
1: Have you ever seen college hockey better?
2: No, I think it's I think it's I as good as it's eaten. ever been. I think. Yeah. I do, would you agree with that? One hundred
1: percent. I've been at it since nineteen seventy nine, and I'm yeah. telling you right now, this is the best I've ever seen it.
2: Yeah, yeah. it's. I think the you got the high end kids, uh, less and less are going major, and then and then the depth, and then there's so many. The thing that I think college hockey is doing a great job right now. Is we're doing a great job developing a lot of late bloomers right 100%, 100%. so
1: 100 i mean there's going to be
2: 20 25 teams in my rank maybe 30 i don't know to watch colin graf and jacob quillen both undrafted free agents and you know there's just a there's like a bus of nhl teams that fall for watching these two kids nobody ever drafted them you know and um you know we've had and we've had others in the past and other teams do a really good job of of uh you know of, of these i guess i'd call them late bloomers or they get they get missed for some reason or the other um, whole other question is the draft, maybe it should be longer. Maybe it shouldn't be seven rounds. Maybe it should be nine or ten, but that's a whole
0: different topic.
1: Oh, yeah. I don't think the Players Association is going to allow that. <laughs> no. I don't think that's
0: a chip in the game they're going the yeah, to allow. Yeah, I
1: agree. That. I agree.
0: You yeah. asked, like Pierce said there, you know, do you ever see yourself? And you mentioned why you, don't, you haven't left and why you might not leave. Do you think that's prevalent around? I mean, you guys are talking about how great college hockey is right now. I I'm with you guys. Like, I feel like so many times I thought there would be that wave of coaches leaving to go to the NHL yep. and there hasn't. And I think a lot of the guys must be taking a similar view saying, Hey, I got a grade here. I mean, yeah. I come up there and I could be fired in one year and then what? I, I can't go back here. Maybe. So right. I, I think that the fact that the, the game itself is doing so well is maybe why those coaches aren't taking the job. I don't know.
2: It, it's possible, uh, you know. There's a lot. There's a lot of factors. Uh, I mean, Pierre, Pierre would probably answer the question better than I would, but yep. you know, I think uh, like I go every summer. I go and I do. Um, uh, I usually do like one retreat with an NHL team, and we, it's a coaching exchange. It's awesome. It's great for me. Oh, uh, you know, cool. I, they're like they'll ask me what to do and what to present on. And we go back and forth, and I can't tell you how many of those coaches, whether it's a head or an NHL, are like, "You stay right where you are. <laughs> you you don't know how good you have it." Um, But I get that all the time. Um, But I think a lot, too, with with, you know, for an NHL GM, you know, you have so much media exposure, you have so much fan pressure, owner pressure, and it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to hire a college guy. And it's it's a lot for those guys Mm -hmm. to do it. And in the end, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of NHL coaches are, are getting recycled and some do great and some don't. Uh, obviously, you just saw Edmonton's done great with the hire of Knobloch. You know, sometimes they go outside yeah. the box and it does well. But I think it will. I think there will be more of a connection between the NHL and the NCAA coaches. I think it's coming. I think it's already happened a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, Jim Montgomery, college coach, done great. Hack. You know, last year I think was it a and Hack were the top two coaches for for the Jack Adams. You know, they're mm-hmm. both college guys, so it'll happen a little more as, as as time goes on.
1: How much did you enjoy your rural Junior experience as a head coach?
2: Oh, I loved it. It was great um initially was supposed to be in um in russia you know (laughs) way out in uh in the tundra so it it probably was a little easier going to moncton and and halifax but uh, i i loved it i'm so grateful to john van beesbrook and pat keller for giving me that opportunity and uh it was just an awesome experience great group of players and uh, you know, unfortunately we go in, it was, you know, Canada had maybe the best team they've ever had, uh,
1: but we were happy to get a medal. We had in a pretty Bedard. good young guy named Connor Bedard that kind of shredded yeah. everybody. Yeah, he was, he was
2: unbelievable too. Uh, we did a good job against him on the power play. Um, I thought we did a good job taking away his time and space, but, yeah. um, but it was a great tournament, great players. And us, I tell you what, USA hockey, that 0304 and 05 group, they are, they are set for a long time. Those are three yeah. big time years. Uh, USA has done a really good job of developing players. Totally agree.
0: You talked about those two players that the NHL scouts are drooling over right now, Jacob and Colin. What about them is attracting those scouts in your eyes?
2: Well, Colin, uh, I mean, Colin Graf is, you know, he's one of the top players in the country offensively. I think the big thing about him, he's got a great B game. Like he he competes, mm-hmm. he skates, he hunts, he backchecks, he blocks shots. He's got a great stick defensively. You know, I think that's a big thing we talk about in college or I think NHL GMs look at, hey, does, does the kid have a B game? we if we draft this player like what if he doesn't pan out to be everybody's top two lines at some point in their life right if there is he not going to be top two can he play on our third line can he play on our fourth line and that's what that's what Grafford does really well he's a high-end elite offensive kid who has a great b game uh q like he's just a beast i mean he is a thick he's a man i mean he is a big human being and he's strong and he can skate and he's mean, and he does a lot of little things well. He can win face He can kill penalties. You know, he's going to he's gonna pan out to be a really good bottom six forward at the NHL level. And,
1: and listen, with both of them, too, A-plus, elite character kids, you want players like that in your locker room, great teammates. And, Jimmy, Quillin scored a national championship goal, so that's on his resume. Yes. That helps. Yeah. That
0: helps. <laughs> I like yeah,
1: that. Yeah, and, listen, they were both great in the national
2: championship game. They were two of the best players on the ice. Sure. They were. Uh, along with Zach metza, They were they were all phenomenal for us. Agreed.
0: I like that, though. We were talking about that the other day, Pierre. Remember about how you get to the NHL. Maybe you were a superstar at the level before, but sometimes you got to adapt. you got to transform into a, a different type of player, yet still keep your qualities. And that's got to be very good to hear for those scouts that are looking at them.
1: I try to tell young players all the time, this is something that's good for the coach, too. I remember being a young coach in Pittsburgh, and Brian Tracci, Hall of Fame player, went from being – a first line player with the Islanders to a third and fourth line player with the Penguins when I was there. And it was amazing how big an influence he had. And he never let his ego get in the way. And he made a massive difference for us in the playoffs, especially. Um, And it's one of the real learning lessons I picked up over time as a coach. You know, here's a guy that just checked it at the door and he was unbelievable for us in back-to-back Stanley cup winning years. And I try to tell young players all the time, you may think you're really good, but there are other things you got to do to be even better. And I use Trace as an example. And uh, you know, I know Quillen's game really well. I know Graf's game really well, and I think the Coach nailed it on both those guys. I good really stuff. do. Good stuff.
0: Well, Coach, we appreciate you taking the time. I know you got a game tonight, and we wish you luck tonight and tomorrow and in the playoffs. And uh, you don't
1: need too much luck, Jimmy. Trust me. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> we just need little... buy-in, Pierre. That's all I need. As long What's as they play, we're
2: good.
0: What's that? We just need buy-in. they
1: (laughs) got to buy-in.
2: Buy-in, all-in. If
0: they're all-in, we're good to go. That's it. I like it. I like it. Continue the great work. And uh, I know it's months later, but still, congratulations on everything. Uh, Look forward to seeing you guys in the tournament again. Okay, great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Rand, thank you
1: very much for doing this.
0: Would it be our head coach, Rand Pecknell, join us. Smart man, man. He's, he's, you know,
1: he's gonna he'll get an NHL job. It's just whether he chooses to leave or not. You know, I think Carville at UMass, I think Lehman at Providence, I think Ben Barr at Maine. These are guys that are all on the burner. You know, I I don't know um, whether Coach Carl at Denver wants to leave or not, and he's in a real good situation there too. We had Coach Barry on from Dakota. Um, You know, there are a lot of guys. There's some really really good coaches out there. I'm telling you, college, and I'm not saying this to. Suck up to college hockey because I don't care, I don't need to suck up to anybody. I'm just telling you, I, I started playing college hockey in 1979. I've never seen college hockey better. It's, it's amazing, right? I'm now. just, it's never been better.
0: It is, it is. You know, it's great too, Pierre. And you know, we didn't always have this in college hockey is the access now you have to watch it, right? Because ESPN Plus has decided to just pick up feeds yeah. from all the big schools in Division One, and it's, I think, that's helped grow the game because. A lot of times people didn't have a way to watch these games. Even if you were in that region of a school, you know, like say I'm in Boston, I didn't always have a chance unless it was the game of the week on Nesson. I didn't always have the chance to watch my alma mater UMass. Now I can just sit back on a Friday night it on my laptop. It's great.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I go all over, as you know, Jimmy, and I just, I can watch games in Europe. Like I can watch right. college games in Europe when I'm it's there. Unreal. It, it's really amazing. Um, I'm really excited to be doing the women's Frozen Four next weekend. I know. I'm uh, it's on ESPN+. Deal. Plus. I can't wait to do that. And then in two weeks, potentially Quinnipiac will be there. The men's Frozen Four at Lake Plastic. That wasn't always the case. No. Like, you weren't able to watch games on television. And and the production is getting better and better and better all the time. So it's kind of neat. Yeah. yeah. I, I love what the coach said because it's true. I'm, I'm just going to tell you. Like, I talked to a lot of guys that have gone there as older players And they've left elite programs, Jimmy, like really elite programs. And they say the one thing that's really apparent at Quinnipiac, you either buy into what they're doing or you don't. And if you don't buy in, you're not staying. You're not going to play. He doesn't mess around with the culture. He creates a standard and you either want to be part of it or you don't. I yep. respect that a ton. I really he, do.
0: And it's great that you can maintain that for so long. and he's done that. And now it's it's paying off in spades. And Pierre, just quickly before we move back to NHL, just looking at what he said about you know, the transfer portal and, and this goes to what you were just saying, like I thought about that as he was ta- and I meant it. it's got to be tough at times because these kids have been taught a different culture, not that it's not a winning culture, but everyone's got a culture that fits the team they're in. And so you kind of have, at a late age, you have to help them sort of reshape their approach and the way they do things. That's got to be done by the coaches. And and that means if these guys are being successful and they're doing that for Quinnipiac, that's a great job by the coaching staff.
1: I totally agree. completely agree. Now, it's not for everybody. No. And he he said it best. He He said it right there. Sometimes we recruit guys that we need but sometimes it doesn't always work. We make mistakes, and part the of why they make mistakes is the kid gets enticed, and then all of a sudden he gets there. He's like, "Oh no, no, this is not this is not what I was buying into." Yeah. And so that's where the problem starts. And and they usually cut bait on that pretty quick. Uh, but no, I I really respect what they've done there. I've watched them a ton over the years, obviously, and uh, they they've really got a, a a tremendous thing going there in, in Hamden, Connecticut. They really do.
0: And you know what else will too, and it's, I just you know I know we've talked about these sort of Unsung hero type hockey markets around the country. Connecticut again, they've done a great job of embracing that team and really making it their own down there. I mean, I've been to a game there; it is rocking on yeah, a Friday. It's, night it's, it's a an elite
1: building too, right, Jimmy? It's a yeah, really, really beautiful. good building. So yeah. the school, I, I love the fact that he deferred to the former president and the chancellor. That's what you do when you're a coach and you appreciate things how you got it. Exactly. Never forget how you That's go. another part of creating standards. It wasn't all me. There were other people that did it for me or helped me. So I, I, I admire that a lot. It's good
0: stuff. All right. Well, Pierre, I think it's that time. It's a Friday. We're a little early on opening up to the questions, but why not? Let's get them in. Friday, it's St. Patrick's season. I'm excited. And there we go. NAS 26. Vegas should be trying to get Gensel. Yep, I've said that a couple times this week. I agree with him. Um, I, I think it makes a lot of sense uh, for Jake Gensel and for the team. And But you know, no matter what happens, I'm not going to talk players right now. I think Vegas is going to be active again, Pierre. I think Kelly McCrimmon pretty much indicated that to us when we had him on last week.
1: Yeah, and you watched them play last night, and obviously they're dealing with some injury situations, and who knows how long the injuries are going to be causing problems there, but I would say Vegas would be one of the teams. I think Edmonton Oilers will be another one of the teams for Jake Gensel. I think there'll be uh, a team on the coast, whether it's uh, Seattle or whether it's L.A., I don't know, Um, that will be interesting. Who knows? I'm sure there'll be other teams that'll be interested in Jake Gensel as well.
0: One thing I want to say before we move on from Vegas to appear in a, a little vent here, I apologize, but i got to get off my chest. Can we stop accusing the Vegas Golden Knights of circumventing the cap? Oh, please. With this LTIR stuff. Do you think that Mark Stone really wanted, like he purposely lacerated his spleen. Do you think that they want to be without their captain down the stretch run when they're still trying to jockey for that second spot in the Pacific division and have home advantage in the first round? Can we just stop with this nonsense It's, it's really, it's unfounded. It's not fair to that team and it's not fair to fair to the injured player because that player is seriously hurt. And that's why he's on long-term injuries. I
1: I remember when they were starting to throw this stuff about a Gabriel Landeskog. Oh yeah. You think he wants to miss the prime of his career? Yeah. Like these guys get hurt. This is a, this is a really hard game played by really tough people. Exactly. And, And I'm telling you, it's never been harder to play. Because yeah. it's never been better. The game has never been played better. It never yep. has
0: been. And, and look, I mean, I don't know. We have no proof if teams have done that before. But I'm just telling you what I know about Vegas right now. And I, I'm, I'm sick and tired of them getting help from fans and media right now. And it's, it's irresponsible to my fellow media out there who have done that. It's frankly, it's irresponsible. All right, next question. Mike, hey, Pierre, curious to know, your coaching ways for a player who is struggling. For example, a Josh Anderson who looks distraught out there. Great question. So what,
1: it's a really good question. So, Mike, one of the things we used to do is we'd bring a player in and I'd say, Jimmy, who do you like in the league? Who do you model your game after? And Jimmy may say, I model my game after Theo Fleury. And so we'd say, okay, what does Theo Fleury do well? Why is he appealing to you? And he'll say, because he skates well. He makes great passes with the yeah, puck. He can finish plays off. He plays with energy, finishes his checks off. So then you ask the player, do you do that? Is that how you play? And he said, well, sometimes. So eventually you come to a point where you say, you don't do that. So you get tape and you build the tape for him. And you show him things that Theo does that he likes. I'm talking mm-hmm. about the player that compares himself to Theo. And then you show him things that you want him to do and he hasn't done. And you try to create a picture rather than speak a lot. Because a picture is worth a thousand words for players. And especially these guys today, Jimmy, they are visual learners. They're Mm -hmm. not audio learners. They're just not. Because of obviously growing up with computers and iPads and video games and everything. So that's one of the ways uh, we used to do it is just ask, empower the player to say, who do you model your game after? And then try to do the comparable. Are you actually doing it? Yeah,
0: that's great. All right. Next question. And by the way, we just heard a gold horn there, I think.
1: Oh, there's been a few. I think
0: it's five or six <laughs> I didn't now. hear it before. That was good. All right. Evan McLaren, we love Evan's questions. Could you give your take on Brands Egg Nygaard and also on hockey in Norway? I moved here six years ago, and I feel Norway could punch way above its weight if, if it chose to do, but unfortunately, it does not.
1: Well, first of all, you got to look at what the national sport of Norway is, and I believe it's skiing, cross-country, and downhill. So that's, you know, a bit of a problem. Um, after the Littlehammer Olympics, I can tell you this, they were expecting that there was going to be a surge in Norwegian hockey. There really hasn't been. So I think that's a bit of an issue, Evan. But to me, it, it is an amazing country. Um, the fact that they share a border with Norway is amazing, or with uh, Sweden, I should say, um, and they don't have better hockey. It's always been kind of perplexing. I won't pretend. Um, so, yeah. Mean, Good
0: stuff. Good stuff. I've never been here. I imagine you have.
1: I've been to Oslo. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. Must be beautiful. Must it be is beautiful. the whole. I was supposed to go to um, Littlehammer, but a little thing called being the head coach of the Hartford Whalers got in the way.
0: So, <laughs> hey, it happens, right?
1: It happens. Yeah. <laughs> Next question.
0: Nass, 26, do you believe Luke Tuck can play at the NHL level in the near future?
1: I've known Luke's game since he's been about 12 or 13 years old, maybe even 11. Um, He's a senior. He can go for a fifth year if he wants. To say that he's ready to play in the NHL now I think would be a reach. Mm -hmm. He's not the same as his brother Alex in terms of skating speed. Uh, Alex really got for a big man. He skates unbelievably. I compare him a lot to Chris Kreider. They're similar type players. Uh, Luke's different when Luke's playing physical and hard on the body, he's going to be a very good player when he's not. And that's part of the issue. um, He's not going to be as effective. So I think he's going to, if, if Montreal signs him, he's a second round pick of the Canadians in 2020. If Montreal signs him, I think he goes to Laval and does his chores and learns his lesson. If Montreal doesn't sign him, I think somebody will sign him and but he'll start in the American Hockey League. I don't think he's starting in the NHL.
0: All right. Let's go to the next question. Marvin Matthews, according to reports, the Devils are now willing to take Jacob Markstrom without salary tension by Calgary. What should be the asking price? I was unaware of this report, so I don't know if I'm really positioned to comment on it. All I will know is what I read. I'll tell you what I did see today is that Markstrom came out in the media publicly and kind of took a shot at management for the way they've handled this with reporters and the things that they've said and they've put out there. Um, so I don't know, you know. Take that for what it's worth. Maybe, maybe trade talks are starting up again. Maybe he does want to go now because of that. I don't know, but that's all I know right now. So I can't really say.
1: Well, if you were to ask me what I think is a fair compensation for Jacob Markstrom, uh, I would say a first round pick, a B plus to an A level prospect, and maybe another pick. I think it's a three. Um, three acid deal uh, coming back. That's how I, I, mean, that's how I would do it. That's what I would think would be fair. Um, they haven't really established a goalie marketplace yet. Nobody has, you know, I asked somebody that's very close to Marc-Andre Fleury the other day. Um, do you think Fleury will be amenable to a trade? He says, I'm not sure. Well, so, but
0: Pierre, he just yeah. actually said he's not.
1: Oh, he so there you go. I did not know that. So that's what I'm telling you. So he's, he says, I'm not sure. So that perfect that's so my guy was telling me factual stuff um so yeah no i mean so the goalie market's not going to be very big yeah you know and there are mucho teams that need it um so i would say that you know they're probably in a good position in calgary in terms of hitting a pretty good return on on markstrom
0: yeah just to follow up on the goalie market situation there and maybe this is a rhetorical question but i'm i'd like to just get your take when you look at that, we've been talking about the goalie market since last off season. We have, yeah. and there's been a lot of goalies quote unquote available, but you just, you just made a great point, but nothing's happening. And I wonder, is that just, is it, is it stale or frozen because of the magnitude of that position and how much of a risk you're taking when you're acquiring that specific position and what it means to a team. And you, if you're going to give up a lot, you can't really make a mistake on this.
1: No, you better not make a mistake. Um, so, yeah, no, I would say that's spot on. You have to remember, too, um, we've seen some goaltenders, especially the last two, uh, Darcy Kemper and Aiden Hill, mm-hmm. win the Stanley Cup. and And that's not a knock on those goalies. They did it. But if you were to say the year before they won the cup that they were going to be cup winning goalies, I think most management people would have said, no, probably not. Um, so, again, that kind of takes people off the track a little bit saying, well, maybe my guy's not that bad or maybe our depth and goal is not that bad and we don't have to give up all these assets to get a goalie. So there's a lot that goes into your question, Jimmy. Um, but I would say the one thing is the goalie pool, for whatever reason, is not overly deep. No. It's, not, it's just not. So one of the guys I got to think is off the board is, is because of Nashville winning last night against Minnesota. I got to think UC Saros is off the yeah. board. I mean, yeah. I have to think he is. Because wow. right now, based on what they've got that team doing, they're going to make it. Yeah. You know, and unless just, they go into a total free fall and this has just been a, you know, a blip on the radar screen, they're going to make it. And good for yeah. them. Yeah. You it's know, a, it's a great really for them.
0: You know, I think a lot of people thought they'd be selling off right now.
1: Yeah. Um, and the other thing too, go ahead. No, I was just going to say and Andrew Burnett and, and Barry have done gonna a, go there. They've, <laughs> done a, they've done a great job. Well, I apologize, but they, they've done a tremendous yep. job. I mean, I know that they had a tremendous relationship when they, when Andrew was playing in the American hockey league for Barry up in Maine. Uh, uh-huh. But it, you know, it's been a long-term relationship. And I think that's how a GM goes in and a new coach goes in and they sing from the same songbook, and it works. Yeah, it, And it's working in Nashville. It really and, is. They deserve a lot of credit down there.
0: And the other thing I want to give them credit for there, too, Pierre, is uh, specifically Tyson Berry. If you recall earlier in the season, yep. Trotz kind of, you know, t- he, he requested a trade, and then Trotz kind of threw – they were throwing – him and Trots threw some barbs back against each other in the media. But I don't know after that, whatever happened, how they made amends or whatever – the coach, the GM and Barry have all been on the same page and he's still a big part of that team, despite him wanting to get a trade early in the season. And I, I, I just, I want to commend a guy when he does that. Like if you go and you say, I want out, but you can't get out. And instead of sulking and, and, and pouting, you decide, you know what? I'm going to just keep playing, keep doing my thing. And if it happens, it happens, but I want to help the teammates I'm with right now. I think he deserves a lot of credit.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. But the other side of it is Barry Trotz didn't take it personal. Exactly. So it's a really good lesson for hockey people because some people really take stuff personal. Don't take stuff, everything personal. Yeah. Just don't. If you, you have, have to
0: get in hockey, you're not going to make it. No, just,
1: it's not <laughs> going to happen. And Barry's Look, Barry's been kicked in the teeth a bunch in his career. He's also mm-hmm. had unbelievable success in his career. Yep. And And I can tell you right now, he's a heck of a coach. And I oh, yeah. think he's I think he's gonna be an excellent manager. What people forget, and David Poyle and Ray Sherrod would be the two best guys to talk about this with when Nashville came into the National Hockey League, mm-hmm. they hired their coaching staff before their team was even selected. Yep. And so Paul Gardner and Barry Trotz were on the road scouting all over the place. They were everywhere, they were scouting everywhere. Yes. So when you're not a lot of coaches get a chance to do that, Jimmy. Yeah, from the ground and, up. Yeah, so when you're scouting, it really does make your eye better as a coach because you can study what other guys are doing and yeah. also tells you the kind of players and the character that you might be getting. And so not a lot of guys get that opportunity, but David Poyo was smart enough to do that with Barry Trotz because he knew him from Washington. Their farm team was up in Maine, and so they, they had a lot of success. They had a lot of success coming out of the gate. When the draft rules – we're way more draconian than they are now. It's, it's been easier for Vegas and easier for Seattle. It wasn't so easy when Tampa came in or Ottawa came in or Columbus came in or Minnesota came in or Nashville came in. It was a lot harder. So I think one of the things that's been underrated about Barry, Barry's cut his teeth scouting and coaching, which a lot of coaches haven't had the opportunity to do. It's funny you
0: say that, period because one thing I've noticed – uh over my time covering a game and sitting up in the press box sometimes is in the playoffs, I'll see coaches whose, t- whose team season is over at the games. I'm like, well, what the heck are they scouting? They but there you go. That's why. I mean, they're just watching the game, getting an idea, formulating a plan for the off season, learning about other teams. Still, they don't stop and they keep yeah. watching and keep paying attention.
1: Jimmy, that's only kind of started, I'm going to say, the last seven to ten years because I can tell you, when when I was coaching a league, you know, I was fortunate because I learned from the very, very, very best people. Um, we would do that, um, but a lot of teams wouldn't. No. And so I just think it's become a phenomenon. I think part of it is because other guys saw how successful some people mm-hmm. were and they said, I'm going to do what they're doing. Yeah. And so it's kind of kicked in now. Yeah, I would agree with you.
0: Good stuff. All right, next question. Jared, if Markstrom is off on the market, what does that do to Linus Elmark's value possible return? Before Pierre answers here, I just want to say, in my opinion, I I think it affects it a bit, but I also think it doesn't affect in the sense that, you know, maybe there's just teams that are targeting Elmark and it really doesn't matter who else is on the, on the market because they've mm-hmm. already got themselves zeroed in on him. So whether Markstrom goes or not, that's the guy they want. So I, I just think they'll stick to their plan if they can do it.
1: I don't have to add anything to that. Very well said, my friend. Right. <laughs> we'll do well said. We don't
0: rehearse, I swear. <laughs> no, that was
1: really good, Jimmy. Great answer. Right. Really good. good.
0: stuff. Next question. A to Z me, on a scale of 1 to 10, how busy do you guys think trade deadline will be? Man, I, I, I ask myself this question every year, Pierre, and I honestly, I don't have an answer because each one takes a life of its own Different circumstances, what have you, and the cap, of course, really changes things.
1: Like, so, when do you start the trade deadline? Do you start at the day of the deadline, or do you start it now? Because I think there's going to be deals. You know, we saw the I mean, Labush- this weekend. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think because teams yeah. now know the finish line is close. They may yeah. not be able to wait for a week to acclimatize a guy into the lineup. Tanaf. So was, that was know? so they jumped the gun and Labushkin yeah. in Toronto – I mean, we see Markstrom being available. Um, So no, I. It depends. I do think there'll be a flurry of activity. I've said this to Jimmy right from the start because of the parody that's going on in the East and the West, whomever makes the best trade. And right now I'd say of all the teams so far, probably Vancouver. Mm-hmm. If you go back, you're at the freedom, you know, you get Zadorov and you get Elias Lindholm. They're probably at the top of the food chain right now in terms mm-hmm. of what's gone on in terms of hockey trades, but Dallas just shot a, Big shot across everybody's bow by getting Tanner. Yeah. And
0: what you said yesterday, say it again, Pierre, the two teams that need to an answer. Yeah,
1: Col- Colo- Colorado and Edmonton. Yep. Those guys, if they're – and I know they're both serious. They're really both serious. They're on the clock now, Jimmy. They're, they yeah. are on the clock after what Vancouver's done and after what Dallas has done. They're on the clock. One team, though,
0: you know, I, I said Vegas is a team I keep an eye on, but that's kind of obvious given they're their champs. They want to repeat. Yep. But one team, Pierre, that I think – some people maybe aren't paying as much attention to because they they had a really roller coaster middle of the season, but they did show that when healthy, when they're buying in, they can be a good team. The LA Kings. I think no, fair. They, the no, goalie, no, they, though, you gotta be no.
1: concerned, aren't you? That's what
0: I'm talking about, Pierre. Yeah. They get a goalie. That changes the whole landscape there. And all of a sudden, they're in that mix as well with the big guns you were so, talking about. So
1: they've got to be proactive, and I would agree with you. And, and it's not a knock on the goals that have. The part of the problem is they got injury situations. The Phoenix exactly. Copley injury situation set them back. It's unfortunate, but it's oh, look, injuries happen. We're talking about Vegas. The injuries have happened in Vegas. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, it's unfortunate. Stuff happens. It's just the way it we'll goes. See.
0: All right, next question. Steve Rosen, do you think Florida will be able to re-sign all their free agents next season? And if you think they can't, do you think that they have to go all in on this trade deadline?
1: No, first of all, I I I gotta say one thing right now. Reinhardt is he's just magical. Wow. That first that game for artistic impression last night, Florida versus Montreal. That was one of the highest octane games of the year. That was spectacular. I watched this morning, Pierre. It was
0: one of the best games I've seen. It was
1: awesome, awesome hockey to watch. And obviously, Reinhardt makes a big deal. Just, you know, one of the things that really impressed me, Jack Guy against Kachuk. Like, I I know they didn't make a big deal out on the TV. I get it. The the cameras weren't picking up. I'm watching it. I don't usually watch the puck. I watch away from the puck. That was like man-sized hockey. Yeah. Oh yeah, that, that was big boy hockey, and so good for Arbor Jackey, and he did it without taking penalties, which is awesome. But good for Kachuk too. I mean, I, I'm obviously how could you not be a Matthew Kachuk fan? I mean, you may hate him because he plays for the opposition. Every team in the league wants Matthew Kachuk. Oh, yeah.
0: every, every team in the league. Him. The so, exactly.
1: yeah. um, but with Florida, I don't know how much they're gonna have to pay Reinhardt. A lot. A lot. I, I don't know if they can. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he gives them a discount. I don't know. You got to remember the one thing about Florida, the one thing about Nashville, the one thing about Seattle, and the one thing about Vegas, and the one thing about Dallas, there are no tax states. Yep. So if that you can
0: get guys to take a little less because it's more.
1: So in the Stamkos negotiation years ago, that played a role. Because when you did the math compared to this province of Ontario, where everybody thought he was going and the firm offer that he had from the Leafs, and the offer that he had from Tampa, he actually made more money uh, in Tampa than he would have in Toronto just because of uh, state income tax or no state income tax.
0: Pierre, you know, just thinking that, sorry to sidetrack a bit, but just with yep. Ryan, I mean, we, we used to see this a lot, like not to this extreme, but we, we always usually would see players in their contract years, step it up that necessarily weren't always that good. And then all of a sudden they just flick a switch because they can see the dollar signs. I don't, Necessarily see that as much, and I'm thinking close to home here, like a guy that I think has had the complete op- opposite of what you think would be a contract year is Jake DeBrusque. What do, what do you account for that? Like when a player doesn't sort of rise to the occasion in a contract year?
1: Well, I think part of it in Boston was no Krejci, no Bergeron. It's just different. It's just different. He got off to the great start. Um, it's been a roller coaster ride for Jake in particular. Um, and I think he also has to play through the trade rumors. Mm. That's not I mean, easy. to do. It,
0: it's, it's on his mind. I mean, yeah, you said, it has
1: to be. Yeah. Like, I'm going to tell you right now, when I was working in Ottawa, we brought up Jake the name a lot. Now, some guys in the organization really wanted him. And I'm going to put my hand up and say, I was. I was one of them that wanted him. Um, and there were other guys that didn't want him. Just telling you, they didn't want him. Mm-hmm. And part of it was they said he's a left shot, he can't play right wing. And I'm like, have you watched him play? He certainly can. Anyways, long story short, yeah, stuff happens. Yep. Um, and I just think he's caught up in the stuff happens for him. Yeah. But yeah. I would I would never be afraid to take that player. I mean, yeah. He's he's a valuable guy. Yeah. And I think I, if he goes to the right spot, mm-hmm. the right center iceman, I think. You know, Jake can be 30 to 35 goals. I do. I believe he can do that. I'm with
0: you. I'm with you. All right, next question. Naz26, would Dubas making Jerry available make sense? Still have Nedeljavich, and if he did, would it make sense for L.A. to get him?
1: I think that uh, if Pittsburgh has another loss in this road trip, they lost last night in Seattle. They got shut out. They go into Calgary and Edmonton. Um, I think that a lot of stuff is going to be in play there. I'm not going to say whether Tristan Jerry is or not, but you got to remember too, they have Pittsburgh's got a tremendous prospect in the American hockey league right now, a Swedish goalie. Um, And so they're, I think they're comfortable long-term with what their goaltending looks like. I do think that Pittsburgh's going to be proactive at the deadline. I yeah. Do.
0: And, 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 you know, Dubas already came out and identified the four players that he said aren't going anywhere, right? His four veteran leaders there. So then that means everybody else is on the table. So why not? If you're if you're a GM like you're Rob Blake right now, yeah, I'd be calling looking into You know, if
1: he, if he had a mulligan though, if he could do it over, the one guy he wouldn't have probably moved out last year, let go, Ryan Paling. Oh yeah. 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 He was well, those are those subtle players, you know. Uh, Coach Pecknell was talking about that. You know, if, like some guys can play in top six roles. Other guys have to play in lesser roles. Paling's really good at playing in the lesser role. Mm-hmm. And those guys matter.
0: Especially come playoff time. They matter. Oh, yeah.
1: And and so that was a heck of a pickup by Danny Breer and uh, Keith Jones. It really was.
0: Yep. Ryan
1: Paling was a really, really good pickup.
0: Right from their rival, too. All yeah. right. Next question. Justin Lebron, how many players do you think the Habs will move at the deadline, and who?
1: I don't know the number. I,
0: yeah, I'm not sure.
1: I, I wish I could tell you. I'm not going to make it up. I don't know. I do. Do I think the Canes will be active? I do. Yes. They're, they're going to trade a ton of guys. Probably not. Um, but I do think they'll trade some guys. I think again, you can say whatever you want. You know, people are impatient. Jimmy, Montreal is. Trending the right way. Oh, they're totally trending the right. Way. Trending the right. I know people get mad and they're like, "Oh no, this should have been done two years ago." No, it takes time. Yeah, it takes
0: time. You know what? I could see them doing too, Pierre. And I mean, I'd have to look at the trade record since Hughes has been there, but I see it more overall around the league in in the last few years. Is teams that are completely out of it, right? No shot at the playoffs, doing a player for player deal, and you're like, "Well, why why not just stock up?" Why? Hey, if you've been targeting a guy for a while and he's still there and he's available, even if you're not going to the playoffs, why not get him? Why not bring him in? Let's say he's an impending UFA, right? Who cares? Bring him in. Give him a a whirl. See if he works out, if he fits in. I just feel like I'm seeing that more often. I don't know if you've noticed that
1: as well. Well, Part of it is because once you get that player in a trade, you buy his negotiation rights till July 1st. And it makes a big difference. I I think one of the first guys I remember having that happen was Kimo Timonen
0: yes. um, yep.
1: with Philadelphia. He's one of the first guys I remember where they actually said, you know why we traded for him? We brought him in from Nashville because <laughs> we wanted to negotiate with him early. And I believe it was Paul Holmgren that actually did that when he was in Philadelphia. And it was really good because Kimo was a big part of their team going to the Stanley Cup final um, mm-hmm. in 2010. So no, I there's a lot to that, and and I think anytime you get somebody in your building and you can negotiate with them before anybody else, it gives you a huge advantage, huge for sure. advantage for sure, all right. we'll
0: take uh what do you think one or two more Pierre? I know you got you okay. gotta get
1: you got no, get- listen this is more important
0: to me all I right really this is good. all right, here we go. Let's do three more then. all right, here we go. Mike, what was your favorite thing about being a coach, Pierre?
1: The every day with my staff um working with the players. I love watching young players get better. Uh, it's something I still love to do. Jimmy knows I'm at the rink at 30, 6 o'clock every day in the summer, in the morning working with guys. Um, we don't charge them. It's all pro bono. I just love working with players. So that to me is probably what I love so much about it.
0: Yep. All right, next question. Justin LeBron, who do you think will be the most active team at the free agency deadline?
1: Mm, That's a little bit down the road. Yeah. Um, And
0: it (laughs) depends.
1: But I do know the cap obviously has gone up almost $4.5 million this year. So there should be some. There should be some. It also depends on there's huge expectation in a lot of markets this year. Jimmy, there just is. Yep. What happens if that expectation isn't met? Mm hmm. And then I think we could have fireworks. This could be a turbulent offseason.
0: Okay. I want to stress to our viewers and listeners specifically in my favorite town on the road, my favorite city on the road, Montreal, them. I think he's active in free agency. I think he's reached the point. His prospects are developing. I'm not saying he's going on getting superstars, but I think he's going to start to utilize that as a tool to build towards where they're getting and add that in as an element, I have a gut feeling that could happen.
1: It could. They could. They'll have have money. They'll have have money, money. you know. All right.
0: Next question. Jared, I saw that someone said that the Bruins have made a major push for Noah Hannafin. Is that true? Well, if you've been watching us, Jared, I wonder if we were that someone. (laughs) If you don't know, what do you think the chances are of the Bruins getting him? I... We just – we're both on the record, Jared, is saying that we think that's the the one that has to happen. It's just such a marriage made in heaven. But these things don't always materialize. We'll see. But I I think they have a good chance. I think they're in the mix.
1: Yeah, I do, and I think the Florida Panthers are in the mix too. I think the Tampa Tampa Bay Bay Lightning could be in the mix too. Um, And so, you know, it's obviously a very competitive market for a player like that. Uh, And who knows, maybe another team you know, surprises us, yep. but I, I, you know, I don't think it's a secret that Noah's going to be moved. And um, you know, what the asset value is. We'll see what the team's prepared to pay. I, I don't know what they're prepared to pay.
0: We'll see. And one thing about the teams we just mentioned Pierre, too, and you you've reiterated this throughout the season, watch out, look at how many of them are going to be in the playoffs. They're all Atlantic division teams. Which yes. shows you this this division's going to keep getting better. Well, that's the problem because Ottawa's
1: not Ottawa's not going to get worse. They're going to get better. Are going to get uh, better. You know Detroit's going to continue. I know they lost last night to the Detroit's going to continue to get better. Buffalo Sabers, they better start to get better because they got good players there. They do. They have good players there. I mean, so when you look at the Atlantic, it's just it's not a whole lot of fun right now. And before the season started in the summer, I talked to Jimmy and I said, "I, I think five from the Atlantic and three from the Metro will make it." And right now, if you look at it, that's where it stands. And we'll see.
0: We'll but see. You, you know what, Pierre? too? Jimmy from the Village has got a question. The Ottawa Senators just placed Josh Norris on long-term injury reserve. Okay,
1: and we feel horrible. About our, 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 before you get going any further, I, I might get emotional because I,
0: I know that's you really mean, hard. Like I, yeah, I think the world I,
1: man. I work with that kid, and I. No, it's really tough to hear. I'm telling you right now, that's bad. It's really bad. I'm just telling you. So, in the last week, we've seen two trades
0: that had a third team involved that helped facilitate the trade. Right, yeah. With them suddenly gaining that cap space, obviously, they're not going out buying, right?
1: No, 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 no.
0: But do they become a facilitator with that extra cap
1: space? They could. You know, it depends. The one thing, you know I don't really I know Steven St- uh, staos as a as a player mm-hmm. and as a person. I do not know him as a hockey management person. I've never had to do anything hockey management wise with him. Right. I I do think he's done good things especially at the junior level, but I know Dave Poolin really well. Mm-hmm. And Dave's a really cerebral guy. He's smart. Dave's really smart. Um and so I think think just going on your proposal, I think they could do something like that. Yeah. I do. I think they could do something like that. to to see Josh get hurt in Nashville. Oh. You know, I talked to you about it the next day. I was heartbreaking to see that yeah. really heartbreaking. Yeah. He's um he, he's a really good player and he, he's a superior teammate. Um, And he was a great person to work with. Yeah. Great. And you know,
0: Pierre too, like we've mentioned this a couple of times, I forget who the other player we were talking about, but a couple of times now we're seeing some of these players that have, you know, are so good, so skilled you know they're on their way to a great career and they just keep getting hurt in the first few years and can't get the trash and that to me is so hard to watch for those kids you know so I wanted,
1: I wanted to say this to Ram Pecknell, okay because uh, you know he talked about the free agents and all the NHL teams going to watch and the assistant GMs and the GMs I get it I know those players he's talking about really well. My son played with one of them in Penticton and played against the other one of them for a long time. They're both really good players. And I know they've done a really good job in the off season getting bigger and stronger. Mm-hmm. It is way better to be overripe than underdeveloped physically. There you go. K- kids mm-hmm. cannot sustain. These are men. So uh, the Rempe thing, right? The Rempe thing. Oh, yeah. Everybody. Oh yeah, he's beating this guy up. He's beating this guy up. Then he ran into a thirty-year-old man that's a professional fighter. Yep. How'd that go? It was messy.
0: Yep. And by the way, thanks again to John Scott there, too. I mean, a lot of people have Johnny, messaged awesome. me about that interview and really loved what he and what you had to say, Pierre. Thanked both of you. So I'm I'm giving that thanks right now to you. Yeah, for-
1: you're kind. I, John Scott, to me, that's a really wise voice in the forest. That's really – he, was, he was so impressive. He was really, really impressive.
0: You know, maybe there's a place for him in the NHL Department of Player Safety. I think his – his mentality, his, his open mindedness, and his willing to adapt to the, where the game's going. I, I don't know. Who knows? But I just don't know if he'd want
1: to leave Michigan. I don't think he wants to job.
0: Want <laughs> he's <laughs> he's, love
1: he's <laughs> in love with Traverse City in northern Michigan. I know that. Like he's yeah, a Michigan guy. All right. So, one cool. more question. We'll close her up.
0: What do we got here? All right, Evan McLaren. This means none of your questions are boring, Evan. This may be the most boring hockey question possible, but nonetheless, I've never (laughs) noticed a player lose or have to replace a contact Uh, during an NHL game. Do they have perfect vision or what?
1: No, and they do lose lose contact lenses. Obviously, the lenses are a little bit better than what they used to be. Um, But, yeah, no, they use lenses and, yeah. Good stuff, Evan. Good stuff. That's not a boring question either.
0: And, and and Pierre, if I'm not, it's a great question, considering the name of our podcast. You yeah, yeah to, hey. it's perfect, it's
1: perfect. <laughs> perfect.
0: Good stuff. Thanks, Evan. thanks to all of you for your questions out there. We appreciate it. Thanks to Quinnipiac Bobcats head coach, Rand Pecknold and to our production crew in Montreal. And also, before we go, Pierre, I, I want to, again, remind everybody about it. I'm going to keep hearing that at home because I want to see Montreal people showing up in person for us. Um, but I got to pull up the uh, the Bob Borgan question here, Pierre. Uh, Bobby's,
1: Bobby's amazing every day. Yeah. It's awesome stuff.
0: Yeah, so let's uh, let's get that going here. Uh, da, 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 da. March first, and ooh, I don't like this one because he's one of our favorite players, Pierre. Uh, on March first, nineteen eighty-six, we've spoken okay, about, about this man. Uh, Quebec's Peter Stastny became just the second player in NHL history to score 100 points in each of his first six NHL seasons when he got an assist in an 8-4 Nordiques loss to the visiting Buffalo Sabres. Peter Stastny was one of my favorite players growing up here. I know how much you loved watching him and coaching against him. know how much he did for the game. Uh, Just your thoughts on the old Peter Stastny
1: oh man he was just such a dominant center iceman he dominated faceoffs. he dominated the puck he's big he was thick he was hard to play against he wasn't shy he made the players around him better um just yeah no special a really special player really special yeah. and then one more
0: because he he's close to your heart pair on march 1st 1988 rick talkett became the yes. first player in Philadelphia history to score three goals in back-to-back games when he picked up his third hat-trick in the Flyers' 7-3 win over, ironically, the Canucks in Well,
1: yeah. no, Dickie is – he's special for sure. Um, you talked to him, I know, earlier this year. Um, I think the world of him, I have so much respect for him. Uh, the biggest thing about Rick was he was always a student of the game. When he was a player, you never had to beg him to come in and watch tape. You, know, you never had to – beg him to break down a game or an opponent. Um, and he was so tough. And I don't mean fighting tough. Everybody knew he could fight. And he could fight with both hands. He's just so tough. Yeah. He he played through so much pain. Oh, yeah. It was amazing. You know, you can ask Artie. Ask Kevin Stevens. He was there. Ask Mario. Uh, yep. All these guys. I mean, Rick was just so stellarly tough. It was awesome to be around him. It really it's was. Tough.
0: Good stuff. And I want to say, too, something I wanted to bring up before, too. Vancouver, I know they're in a little rut right now, but Tall, I know it's like everything's so extreme and up and down with fans in Vancouver and the media there. If you're listening, Vancouver Canucks fans, chill. <laughs> relax. You're, you're in a great spot. Don't worry. Every team goes through this. You just hadn't done it all year, and finally it's happened. So just relax. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the hockey, everybody. This has been another edition of the Eye Test on a sick podcast network.
2: And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much
1: until next time. Follow the eye test with Pierre McGuire and Jimmy Murphy on YouTube, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.